Does an orthopedic condition or sports injury have you sidelined? Make your comeback with GW Hospital Sports Medicine. We offer services from neck to toe, including care for shoulders, hips, knees, ankles, and hands. Plus, we're the official healthcare partner of GW Athletics, the DC Furies, and the DC Revolution. Get back to doing the things you love. Learn more at gwhospital.com slash sportsmed or call 888-4-GW-DOCS. Physicians are not employees or agents of this hospital. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your hosts from SteelersDepot.com where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora. Always lit. Talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 13, Episode 103. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Monday, Steelers Nation. Another emergency midnight podcast. And so Dave and I are recording this here on Sunday night, although by the time I think everybody listens to this, it'll be sometime on Monday. So appreciate you joining us. And Dave, we thought the uh, the, the real busy push was over. And oh boy, uh, we, were we wrong about that because Pittsburgh late on Saturday night making a pretty big splash really their biggest so far I suppose of free agency signing another guard guard number two Isaac Sayamalu formerly of the Philadelphia Eagles to a three-year deal worth 24 million and I gotta say this is the one like true big surprise of the offseason for me I thought after Nate Herbig this team was going to be done adding those higher end starting potential and obviously Sayamalu is going to be a starter for this team type of interior offense alignment. And so this one to me really came out of left field. Yeah, it did. They, uh, they smoked them out, didn't they? Uh, kind of waited them out there. It seems like in the details of that, that deal outside of it being a three year, uh, $24 million contract are not in, but you look at some of these other deals and the way they're structured and I'm willing to bet at his age, this is a, uh, uh, an even cash split across three years, meaning 8 million in 2022 or two, yeah, 2023. I mean, 2024 and 2025, we'll probably have that within the next 24 hours, but I'll be surprised if it's anything different than that. I think the biggest surprise here is, uh, you know, and, uh, uh, that it, that it's another guard and not a tackle because right now, Alex, this team has two tackles under con two, two true tackles under contract in uh, obviously Chiquama Corfor and Dan Moore Jr. That's it. And uh, obviously, a couple of days ago, they signed, you know, a free agent guard in 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 uh, 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 Nate Herbig. And you're thinking, okay, well, they got that knocked out. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I wasn't so surprised that they signed the lineman as much as I was. It was another another guard, and then throw on top of it an average yearly value of eight million dollars, as you stated there. That 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 was that was the surprise on top of the surprise there. So uh, that that leads us uh, leads us down the road with a lot to kind of you know talk about uh, you know as as to what is the byproduct of this, uh, especially on the heels of you know the Herbig deal a couple of days ago. Right. And so you thought with her big, he would compete with Dotson, you know, loser becomes depth and, and that's going to be the group. So 
off the top, I guess maybe just getting past that very initial reaction, why do you think this team went after a guy like Sayamalu? And what does this mean for the interior offensive line going forward? I'll tell you this, we're not going to have the same start in five. <laughs> Real big limb you're going out on there, Dave. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, whereas you kind of wondered exiting into season if they were going to have the same starting five, at least in week one of the 2023 season. I think that's out of the question uh, uh, at, at, at this point, and, and good on them for that, you know, uh, for, 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 you know, addressing – you know, the offensive line and, and, and the trenches specifically. So what does it mean? What does it ah. mean? Uh, well, look, uh, with, 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 with Samalo, uh, he has played both sides of, and we'll talk a little bit more about his tape here in a little bit, but uh, he has played both line, both sides of the line of scrimmage, both guard spots. Uh, obviously the Steers have, have to have James Daniels uh, at right guard. I would, think that they're probably not going to move him over to the left side, let him stay comfortable at that right side. And I think that means uh, Saamalo uh, will, will, will move over to the left side uh, there at that point. And what does this do to Herbig? Well, at this point, he looks to be your, 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 uh, your swing guy. And, and, you know, within that, you know, he could probably, Push come to shove, he could probably give you a snap or two at center and get you out of the game. Talking about Herbig, you know, mm-hmm. should, should it come to that? Uh, but I think at, at, at this point, he's he, you know uh, they're wanting him to be that that interior swing guy. And so, what does it mean for Dotson at this point? Well, boy, he went uh, he entered free agency looking like he might have a, a shot to, to 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 still be the, the starting left guard in two thousand and. 23 at this point you have to wonder maybe what is in the plan for him because remember he is he is one that that uh, had the proven performance escalator that he had earned in his first three seasons and that bumped up his base salary in 2023 to 2.743 million that's a lot of money to be inactive on sunday right. <laughs> uh, uh, with at this point uh I think the door, I, I think what this does now is this becomes a wide open situation uh, with Kevin Dotson. And I think you explore all avenues within that, whether it be a trade ahead of the draft, a trade during the draft, a trade after the draft, or maybe a trade right before the final, you know, the, the, the uh, last week before the re- regular season there, mm-hmm. uh, because I think if you and look, obviously they could hold them all throughout the summer if they don't get the right trade offer for them. And hopefully, it, you know, you, you never know with injuries and all that kind of stuff that 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 could happen there. At least it gives you a, a fallback plan there. But I, I think what I would be doing at this point and that and you know, they, they might be as well as I'd be listening to every and and any offer I could get for Kevin Dotson starting as soon as Isaac Samalo signs that contract. And, uh, because quite honestly, I think the tea leaves kind of lead you to believe that barring injuries that Dotson might not even be on this 2023 roster now. Sure. I think that's pretty clear at this point. That's the way things are trending. You know that 
you know James Daniels is going to start. I think it's more likely than not Mason Cole starts. Obviously, Sayamalu's going to start. Herbig was just signed. He's going to be on this roster. You, you have eight active offensive linemen on game day. So you have your, um, you know, your, your interior guys, Sayamalu, Cole, Daniels, we'll call it, Herbig. Your two tackles plus a backup and however configuration, however that looks for agent draft pick, whatever. So you got, what is that, seven of those eight spots spoken for. And Dotson has that eighth guy and his salary doesn't make a lot of sense. He can only play both guard spots, can't play center. So a little limited in, in that versatile sense of it. So, yeah, I think it's pretty clear this team was not happy with Dotson's inconsistent and frustrating play. I've talked about how I think, technically speaking, he's not a great scheme fit for Pat Meyer's system. And so, yeah, Herbig, take the big swing with Sayamalu. I think it's pretty clear what direction this team is trying to go towards. So we talked about all offseason. You know, upgrade that left side of the line. That would be the the thing to look at if you were going to make an upgrade. And you're kind of seeing that now with, say, Amalu, who I'm going to presume, not guarantee, but presume plays left guard. And we'll have to see what happens over there at left tackle. Yeah, absolutely. And once again, this team has just two tackles under contract. And don't forget right now at this point, technically the backup center on this team that, that has the experience, I guess, would be Ryan McCollum, huh? From, from from last year, a carryover from last year's mm-hmm. practice squad uh, that, that was re-signed to a futures contract. Surely the plan can't be for him. You know, uh, he's he's break emergency, you know, uh, uh, you know, break glass in case of emergency type guys. So uh, there is still some work to be done on this offensive line in totality, but I'm going to go out on a limb now and say that they're done with the interior portion uh, in free agency. <laughs> and pro- I would hope so. And probably the early drafts are back to my John Michael Schmidt's dreams is probably going up in smoke there. I say Malu comes in. So if I had to guess right now, let's just for a second, assume the tackles, the starters remain the same. That could obviously change, but let's just assume that for simplicity's sake. I'm going to say week one, barring health, of course, it's Dan Moore at left tackle, Isaac say Malu at left guard, Mason Cole at center. James Daniels at right guard and Chuck Will McCore for it right tackle. Do you agree with that? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I don't see how you could go in any way other than that. Other than, uh, I mean, you I, could I, if Daniels to center potentially. I mean, you could play around with that. You want Herbig to start? Yeah, but I mean, you just have a you just paid Mason Cole a roster bonus too today. Happy happy uh, roster mm-hmm. bonus day uh, uh, for him. Uh, if you, if you were going to kind of I mean, and, and not, nothing prevents you from switching things around. And, you know, I, I suppose and and it's not like he's making a ton of money where he could be the backup interior guy, you know, mm-hmm. uh, at, at that point. But uh, and, uh, you know, the other argument could be, man, uh, uh, Saimalo's uh uh, 2022 tape at right guard was so right. damn was so damn good. <laughs> uh, Daniel's over to left guard, right? Switch him over to the other side. So I I think that would be, uh, you know, I'm I'm and yeah, Daniel's has played center and and yada yada like that. But I I think the only the best argument for it not being the five in order like you just said to me would be because you want Isaac to play right guard because he looked so damn good there. Mm-hmm. 
Sure. And I just mentioned those, I think, as much lower percentage chances of, of things happening, but still, I suppose, have some plausibility to them as we kind of wait till the summer and see how these things look. So I think the the cleanest thing is to keep the guys that, that you're carrying over to start in 23 in their same position. So keep Daniels a right guard who had a good season, a right guard, got a whole lot better, just got comfortable, comfortable there. So let's not try to move him to the left side and create some discomfort early in the season. He's been through enough of that. Keep Cole at center. That's where he likes to play the best. And it's solid uh, where he's at there in the middle. And then move Sayamalu over to left guard, who prior to 22 was playing you know, uh, the majority of his snaps at left guard. Right. So that seems to be the, the the cleanest way to do that. Uh, boy, they got some uh, position flexibility in, in, in some of them guys now, don't they? Uh, because even Herbig can play left or right guard. Uh, uh, Sayamalu can play uh, uh, right or left. And, you know, God forbid, you know, James Daniels can play right or left as well, too. And and any, any one of them could probably get you out of the game at center. You know, right. And heck, even in theory, say Malu's played literally all five spots. He was pretty versatile at Oregon State. And even Herbert was a right tackle in, in, in emergency situations or early in his college career at Stanford. Not that I ever think that that would happen. But I mean, versatility, wearing a lot of hats. That's what all these guys bring now. Right. So now the now to me, the attention, the attention turns to how about how about get some gar, uh, some tackles in the building? Yeah. And Dan Moore's looking at uh, they just replaced Dotson in my next like he's really, you know, is he the next guy to go? And that'll be made probably dependent on the draft. There really aren't any free agents that'll be clear starters. You could maybe sign somebody to compete and be a you know potential starter or swing guy. But that's where the eyes are at. But let's talk about Sayamalu in particular, what this team is getting in him, 29 years old. There's the Andy Weidel connection striking again. He had previously spent, Sayamalu had his entire time in Philadelphia. Of course, Andy Weidel was uh, with the Eagles for many years before coming over to Pittsburgh last year. So that's Nate Herbig, who was drafted by the Eagles initially. And then Sayamalu, so you're really feeling that Andy Weidel effect when it comes to some of these offensive line additions. Yeah, absolutely. And once again, you know, I haven't made it to much of it, to, you know, much of his left guard tape, uh, just been concentrating on the right guard uh, tape from last season. And and as you stated, I mean, all but like two or three snaps or something like that were, was played at right guard last season, oh, well over a thousand and even logging all those snaps he's hit for his career. He has more, more snaps at, uh, at, at left guard. Uh, his tape was really, imp- I don't know how far you d- deep. I mean, I imagine you've look, we had these games. Uh, uh, thanks to Andy Weidel for, uh, getting another Eagle. Cause we already had all the tape pulled, uh, uh, <laughs> the Eagles tape pulled for, to, to study Nate Herbig, uh, going back through some of those games again, uh, Man, oh man, uh, some impressive tape of, of him at right guard. Yeah, really good year. Of course, the Eagles having the best offensive line in football last year really pops on tape and say Malu was was a part of that. And he finally got healthy. He had the injury issues in, in 2020 and 2021, started all 17. I'll start. She started all 20 games, the Eagles on their run last year. Um, so that was, you know, really good to see for him. And well, just on the tape, you had to pick out what you liked the most about his game overall. Was there one aspect of it that kind of stuck out to you the most? Any one trait, whether it's pass protection, run blocking, whatever, that really kind of made you say, okay, this is the best thing about Isaac Sayamalu? Yes. <laughs> you uh, can narrow that down. Uh, look, I mean, he can get to the second level. He uh, he attacks his block at the line of scrimmage. 
uh, uh, right away. He has good balance, has a nice uh, uh, wide base. Uh, he can combo block off the ball. He can get off that first block, get to the second level, uh, and, 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 and impact and create uh, not just creases. I mean, he can open up some lanes in there, man. Uh, he, he really can. So I just, and I, he, he has a nice awareness to him, uh, overall, I think, especially as a, uh, run blocker, I think his angles are very good, at least at the, uh, as far as the right guard tape goes that I've watched. And, uh, I mean, look, this team's going to want to run the ball next year, take some of that pressure off of uh, Kenny Pickett, I think. And uh, them not having that kind of push that they needed in in, 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 in their interior three, uh, you know, here's the hope and they got it now. So I, I, I would say first and foremost, his run blocking ability, uh, his ability to reach, uh, uh, you know, three techs or, 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 you know, back inside on, on, on maybe like a two tech, his ability to reach them off the snap and not only reach them, get them turned, I think is impressive. And, but I, I would say the number one thing is his ability to get to the second level. Okay. Yeah. I think I, I'd written the article a couple of days after the Herbig signing, uh, before the Sayamalu signing came in that Pittsburgh's identity, what they're trying to build towards offensively in 23 is pretty clear when you bring in Herbig, when you show the interest this team is showing in Osiris Torrance and Daywan Jones and Darnell Wright, it's a pretty common theme. They're all big people, physical run blockers. They take pride in that aspect of it. And Pittsburgh, really, that second half of the season began to find an identity. Even the players admitted first half of the year, we didn't know who we were. You know, it's a young group, youngest offense in football. They're just trying to, you know, get the basics down right and just play fundamental football. And obviously, they missed on that quite a bit the first half of the season. After the bye, kind of hit that reset button. You came out with a clear plan identity. We're going to be a run-the-ball type team. We're going to play ball control. No team ran the ball more uh, after week nine than the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, time of possession went through the roof. Became the best third-down offense in football the back half of the season. And so that was kind of the formula. And now you really try to build upon that and get the people in place during this first offseason as you begin to build that identity. Again, this offense has to open up, has to be more than just a three-yard cloud of dust type offense in 2023, but they want big people. They want to be physical. They want to impose their will, and they really want to mean it, not just say it. And so that's what you see with Herbig and, and, and Sayamalu and some of the, the draft guys they've shown interest in. So um, that that's the model. That's where this thing's going. They want to really kind of apply and expand upon where 22 left off. They want to try to get the best people for that in 23. Right, exactly. Uh, what what is stuck? At, you've already got a film room up on him this morning. Mm -hmm. I believe you got a tape, uh, uh, another video on YouTube that'll be posted on the site in the morning, kind of talking about you know free agency as a whole. But uh, uh, what what has stuck out the most uh, uh, to you about Samalo? Yeah, to answer the question about my favorite thing, and on Monday morning, I have a, a video breaking down my favorite individual trait of all five external free agent signings Pittsburgh has made so far. And I think with Sayomaldu, there's a lot to like about his game, generally speaking, but I think his anchor and pass protection, how sturdy he is, Pat Meyer talks about, for the interior guys, the offensive guards, the center, they're responsible for setting the depth of the pocket. So the pocket is not collapsed. The quarterback can step up and hitch and, and navigate if there's some edge type of pressure. The tackle's responsible for the width of the pocket, guard center, for the depth of the pocket. And you see a really good strength and anchor with Sayamalu. And I don't know if it was coached 
the same way that Pat Meyer coaches it in Philadelphia under their great offensive line coach, Jeff Stoutland, one of the best in the business. But you see some of those really aggressive pass sets, kind of those on-body sets where you're not giving ground, mm-hmm. you're attacking, you're making first significant contact. That is the key phrase under Pat Meyer. You seem to be able to win some of those reps because he is so strong. It's hard to go through him. You got to be a three-tech outside shade, try to go around. That's how you beat this guy. But um, he's not going to get that pocket collapse too often. And so he's going to set a really good depth. It's going to allow Kenny Pickett to step up, pitch, and drive the football. And that's going to be a really important key. Uh, I think he does a, a very good job with twists and stunts and, and identifying them and passing them off and those kind of things as well, too. That was apparent on his tape uh, from 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 last year as well, too. So uh, a good look. He, he he earned the money last year, I think. And uh, so where what 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 you know, what is the reservations on him? What caused him to kind of um, miss, let's say, that first initial wave and 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 kept him from getting signed up until uh, the Steelers went after him. I would think first and foremost, maybe his age, because mm-hmm. he is uh, uh, 29. Uh, I would think second because of his, you know, uh, uh, prior to him, you know, uh, playing all those games last year and staying healthy. He hadn't been healthy the last couple seasons there. So maybe there's a little bit of concern in there. Maybe he was asking for a little bit more in guaranteed money than he actually wound up getting from, uh, from the Steelers Steelers. And we don't know exactly the guaranteed amount, but I'm, 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 I'm almost guaranteed myself that this is just going to be first year guarantee with him on this. So uh, I think, all those things kind of combined kind of shot him out of that first wave of, uh, of free agency. And maybe, you know, his, maybe his agent was saying, look, just be patient here because this year's guard class isn't all that. And most of the big guards have already signed. Now you're, you're the king of the mountain right now. So if you just wait this out a couple more days, maybe you'll get a little bit, you know, Get 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 kind of the money that that uh, or closer to the kind of money that you think that you deserve. Sure, I think in terms of reservations, those were going to be the two points I hit on. The age will be thirty in October, and he really hadn't been healthy. I think he had his injuries kind of throughout his career, even back in college and the last couple of seasons before twenty twenty two with Philadelphia. He had uh, missed quite a bit of time, so that might might be the issue there. There is still, and it maybe matters a bit less with some of these offensive linemen, but some older older guys Pittsburgh signed, Landon Roberts, of course, Patrick Peterson, and say Amalu. You know, obviously Pittsburgh's mentality is they're always, you know, Super Bowl contenders in their own mind. This is the year that they're going to win. They're going to make that push for it. But you do kind of wonder, if it takes a year or two for this team to truly get to that level, now that some of these guys are going to be older in their 30s, kind of falling off. And so you kind of wonder about that and just kind of the fit and does it really mesh with the track this team is on? But again, Pittsburgh and, and Tomlin's mind and Omar Khan's mind and Art Rooney's mind, they're going to say we can win now. And so they're probably less concerned about the age of some of these guys. Yeah, I think this is a great example of this team uh, thinking that they can put something together to compete this year. Right. But is that true? Is that is that the right way to go about it? Because in two years, you know, Ogan Joby's going to be in his 30s, say Molly will be in his 30s. Patrick Peterson's going to be retiring. I mean, it just you wonder how that looks a, a year or two out. Well, I think, uh, you know, and once again, we haven't seen the financials of this contract yet, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm dead on it. Uh, you you, you want to get at least two years out of out of Samalo, I think. Sure. So uh, does the guard class look better next year? You know, uh, 
And what ends up happening this year is there, you know, is there, you know, can you maybe draft somebody a little bit later and develop them kind of, kind of, kind of doubtful of that just based on this guard class. So overall, uh, but you know, I think you got to look at this one year at a time. The good news is, is you, you know, uh, at least to, to me with guard, you can draft one uh, early in a draft if it's a good class um, and, 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 and put them right in the lineup in week one. So sure. uh, it's not like, it's not as hard to, at least in my mind, to develop them. So I think this is a move of, hey, we've got a lot of needs, a lot of holes we got to fill this year. Uh, the guard class isn't great. Uh, why don't we just go ahead and get a guy that we think we can get two years out of uh, in here and at least solve that for now. And how he plays will decide how we address this next year. No, I'm with you 100%. I think that's the best answer for that. And it's hard to, I don't disagree with a word that you said there. You just wonder, okay, let's say that in a year or two, you know, Kenny Pickett's right in his prime form, same with George Pickens. Let's assume they find a, a stud offensive tackle or whatever. And you kind of sit there and say, okay, now we got to replace, say, Malu because he's falling off. And you got to find that next person and find him quickly and make sure you hit and, and all that kind of stuff. So just kind of thinking out loud about some of the the ages team has brought in. But I think, as I mentioned earlier, they saw the opportunity for somebody to be a good scheme fit, um, bring a little bit of experience to that room. It's still a pretty young offensive line room overall. And I'm sure that contractually there's going to be escape hatches. You can talk about the Okanjobi contract. That's that's a pretty team-friendly deal in terms of being able to, to wait and see. And if things start to go south, they can pull that ripcord pretty quickly. So it's less about the financial concern for me as it is just about trying to find that replacement if those young pieces on offense hit and trying to replace guys like Peterson defensively, say Amalu offensively in, say, two years. Look, I, I don't have worries about, say, Amalu as long as he stays healthy, and that's the biggest thing. And, I mean, you go into every year, can can, can this group stay healthy? You know, can this yeah. guy stay healthy? Uh, if he stays healthy, I'm not I'm not afraid of him falling off the cliff or anything like that. Yeah, not this year. You just never know, you know two right. years from now, whatever the case is. And, the, and health is, you know, we said that with Joby. Can he stay healthy? If he does, okay, it's going to be good. Say, Amalu, that's going to be a thing. Patrick Peterson, you're going to be 33. He's been durable overall, but at some point there's going to be a, a cliff there probably. So I'm not trying to be super cynical you're just kind of thinking out loud about um does the some of the age and some of the career paths these guys are on match with where the Steelers team is currently at Man, i'm just glad i have some nasty guards in the <laughs> you get that cold shower last <laughs> night? oh boy uh i had to fan myself a little bit there uh yeah look i mean and 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 and, and kudos to them for addressing this you know yeah. Um, and, and, and as you mentioned earlier, and, and some of the Eagles guys that I really follow, there's that one Twitter account that does a fantastic job breaking down Eagles mm-hmm. tape, uh, honest NFL. And he said that say Molly was so highly regarded for his football IQ. Of course, Jason Kelsey gets all the attention, all the love because he's the center. He's the dude that's been doing it forever in a day, but they said say Molly's one of the smartest guys that they've had. And so from a communication standpoint, stunt pickup standpoint, so Pittsburgh kind of, struggle with some of those uh, A-gaps that were getting mugged on third down, some of those blitzes, and so say Molly should be a really good presence from a communication, ID, IQ uh, standpoint, and that's, of course, going to be beneficial. Yeah, and once again, I think now, you know, uh, if it wasn't the case after signing Herbig, it is now. This team doesn't need to draft a guard. Right, they got their guys, and again, they want big people, they want physical people. That's why they signed Herbig. That's why they're bringing in say Amalu. That's why they're looking at some of these. If they're going to take a tackle, it's going to be a big dude, right? It's going to mm-hmm. be Day One Jones. It's going to be Darnell Wright. They're not going to do the 
it's not going to be a Skaronsky to play him a tackle. They want big physical people and they want size and length. And so that's what they're going to be probably targeting come, come draft on. I would think so. Yeah. So um, overall, I'm happy with the signing. I think it's a good signing. Um, I think it's a good scheme fit, good system fit. And again, kind of playing to what Pittsburgh wants to be who they want to be in 23. They better be able to run the ball now. Yeah, there's no excuses at this point. They better have a, a good run success rate, get some explosive plays. Uh, and if injuries do strike and injuries are almost certain to strike in 2023, there's going to be some depth there, at least along the interior offensive line. That makes me feel a whole lot better. Mm, I agree. All right. Do you want to go over the Ogunjobi contract briefly and just kind of some of the additional information? I think we now know everything we need to know about the Ogunjobi contract. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, a lot, you know, the, the initial financials were right on the money the way, uh, who was it? Adam Schefter, I think, was the one that originally kind of laid it out. And then came the report about uh, 17 million guaranteed. And when that, when that hit, I kind of cautioned everybody on Twitter. Let's see what the true guarantees on this. Uh, here is <clears throat> essentially what the deal is. I, obviously it's three years, 28.75 million. Uh, he got a little bit richer of a signing bonus than what I thought he would get 10.6 million dollar signing bonus, uh, for him, uh, base salaries of 1.4, uh, in 2023, 5 million in 2024 and 4 million in 2025. As expected, he has roster bonuses in both 2024 and 2025. The one in 2024 is 4.75 million. That is an important roster bonus. That is the most important detail. If you want to ask, you know, it, if you want to ask me when it comes to this entire contract is that $4.75 million uh, roster bonus in March of 2024. Why? Because that's going to act as a trigger. That is your uh, jump out point. That is your restructure point, or that is your stand pat uh, point with that. So Ogan Joby's play in 2023 uh, will put a lot of emphasis or, or should clear up a lot of things when it comes to his, co his him staying around in 2024. Uh, now, it was reported at 17 million guarantee. Uh, the only the only full guarantee in this deal is the 1.4 million dollar base salary and the uh, $10.6 million signing bonus. Add those two, two together, you get $12 million. Uh, that is his year one cash flow. That is the only full guaranteed amount. So why was it reported as $17 million guarantee? Because it sounds better on the Twitter <laughs> machine. That's why. The agent uh, gets that out there. Right. And uh, to, to receive that information, the reporter puts it out that way without the stipulation of it being how much is injury guarantee. As it turns out, the $5 million base salary in 2024 is guaranteed for injury only. Okay. So okay. Uh, in, 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 in reality, if you want to be honest here, this is a one year, $12 million contract for Larry Ogunjobi with a, uh, op with a March option on him. Okay. So, mm -hmm. uh, and once again, if he play, if he plays well, you know, and, 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 and plays up to a $12 million value 
2023, then you move forward into 2024. And really the only decision next March would be, okay, do we need cap space? Do we want to, do we want to roll that roster bonus and, and a chunk of that base salary into a signing bonus to, because we need cap space or do we just want to pay the roster bonus and just let them play out 2024 and then address this thing uh, in, 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 in 2025. So uh, good for Larry. O. he got himself, he, he goes from earning $8 million in 2023 to earning $12 million in 2000. And uh, what did I say? 8 million, 2022. Uh, he's, he's got himself a $4 million raise and he'll make 12 million in 2023 and then there's the little carrot hanging above him if he wants to stick around past this season to 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 play better than he did last season overall i'm pretty happy with the structure of this contract just in case if things go wrong and he falls off a cliff or the injury bug continues in 2023 there seems to be some good uh, escape patches is that a, a fair assessment of the contract dave yeah because look you can even get to next march and you decide okay we got to cut bait with him uh, and we don't want to eat the whole seven point whatever million dollars in dead money. If you're okay, if, if you don't need the instant cap, that instant five million dollar cap space that you would get from his base salary, if you cut him next March, you could designate him a uh, June, you know, post June first mm-hmm. cap hit. Now, in in designating him a post June first cap hit, you got to carry his full cap number up until that point you know, uh, there, but at least it'll give you a chance to, to split the dead money up over, over two years, you know, over 2024 and 2025. But, uh, the, the, the most important aspect is this, uh, of this is the fact that you need to make a decision, uh, by three days into the new league year next year of whether or not you want to pay that roster bonus. You, uh, if, you know, and I, and I think come that time, it will be real evident to me and you what what's likely sure. to happen. It seems like that's how they structure three-year contracts. Now that's what a core four got basically right last year. And now that's what open Joby got. I imagine say Malu's going to be in the same boat. Is that basically how they're doing three years is kind of those, those roster bonuses to be able to kind of gauge where things are at year by year. Yeah. And even uh, uh, Holcomb uh, I'm willing to bet the way it was reported and the way this thing turns out being uh, because Holcomb, there's a reported uh, $2 million roster bonus in the final year, 2025. I almost wonder if that $2 million roster bonus was meant, was meant to be reported in 2024. Okay. His contract looked a little weird, like the base salary in year two was higher than year three, and it kind of felt like the extra $2 million was going to be that roster bonus to even the base salary in years two and three. Yeah, I almost wonder if, if they should be flip-flopped. In other words, the, okay. four, the $4 million, in other words, flip-flopped the 2024 mm-hmm. and 2025 years. It would make more sense uh, for that to be the case uh, uh, because, I mean, you're putting a roster bonus in the final year of his deal. I mean – uh, it, we'll see. I mean, at least we've, we, we know what the cash flow looks like. We know what the cap that it wouldn't change the, the cash flow or the cap sure. charges. It would just change. It would, it would just, uh, uh, create a trigger in 2024. All right. So the big question is, and I've been kind of waiting for the, the numbers to come in on some of these contracts. I don't know what, if you've tabulated everything, but where's oh, this you team know sit I at? Have. Okay. 
<laughs> I just like to set that up, not, not put the pressure on you. But cap numbers, uh, tell us where they're at, Dave. Yeah, uh, and really the only uh, exact uh, number that we're waiting or, or, or structure right now is, is Sayamalo's. Uh, but even then, the way they've been doing these things, it seems like it's been even cash flow throughout the years with the, with these. So I'm willing to to, to uh, bet that his cap number, you know, in other words, what they're doing is it'll be eight million in 2023, another eight million in 2024, another eight million in in, in, in 2025. I've got his cap number estimated to be three point four four three 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 in 2023. If indeed. I am correct within that. Uh, I have the Steelers right now in present time as being 11.255152 under the cap. So a hair over 11.25 million under the cap at this point. And in terms of actual usable, your kind of effective salary number, salary cap number, where were they at? Uh, when you look ahead and let's go ahead and assume, uh, look, TJ Watt's going to get done. You agree, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's yes. just a matter of, of, of when they do it. I have them at nearly, uh, it's 1.9, million in effective cap space at this point now. And that's, that's after a TJ Watt, uh, uh, restructure. Now, look, once again, as Alex and I have talked many times over the years, you got to divide up. Your work, do you know, your plan of attack? Uh, there's different lines in the sand. So, right now, they have 11.255 million in available cap space. The, the other stuff that they need to worry about is much later in the off season here. All right. That's why, you know, that's more than likely when, 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 when the TJ Watt uh, 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 restructure will happen. Now, it brings, Something now that that that's happened, I think, brings back into the talk here the thing with whole with, with Kevin Dotson, all right? Mm-hmm. Because here here's another thing, my my look ahead, my my projection does not include anything to do with a cap in does not show any projected cap increase for Alex Highsmith, who I think you and I are willing to bet right now is going to get a an extension at some point during the offseason, right? I think it's looking likely, yes. All right. Now he he's already accounted for on the books at two point seven four, or you know, as a base salary of two point seven four three, and a cap number of two point nine one, a hair over two point nine one. So what I mean by what why I point that out is because whatever his extension will be would only be you know let let's say his new cap number is like five point two million. Okay, mm-hmm. after an extension, well, effectively you're only using up. Uh, like 2.3 more million in in cap space, right? Uh, by that because he's already on the books for the 2.951. You're just erasing that number and replacing it with a higher number. So it's not like you've got to accommodate the full cap charge because he's already on the books for half of it already there. But but uh, so here's where I'm going with this. After the signing of of of, of Sayamalo at this point. It sort of feels like we've got a floating $2.743 million uh, uh, in available cap space prior to roster uh, displacement with one Kevin Dotson. 
you know, and that to me is yet another reason to think there's a probability that Dotson's not going to be on this roster by week one, by the time the smoke clears for whatever reason, more than likely him, him being dealt, I would think, uh, magically that number sure looks like, you know, what you would save, uh, by, by trading Dotson magically sure wouldn't make up the difference of a Alex Highsmith cap increase of a, of a new deal for him. You see what I'm saying? Sure. So, uh, I, I think that right now, uh, of course, if my projections are correct, which they're not going to be 100% correct, I, I'll ease everybody's mind when it comes to that. But I would like to think that they've got probably at this point about, I don't know, two to $3 million in truly effective, available cap space to spend at this point barring them deciding to extend a contract, let's say Mitch Trubisky or cutting somebody at some point, like a Keller Witherspoon, all, you know, you, you can create cap space, but we have to work in what's what we look at right now. So, mm-hmm. uh, me saying that they have two to $3 million in effective cap space. That's based on what I see, but it doesn't mean that that's not all, you know, it's it's the end all do all because also you're going to have some roster matriculation throughout this thing where a couple of guys, maybe middle of the road, is not going to make it be replaced by a rookie when the final 53 hits yada, yada, the, you know, half a million here, half a million there in cap space can, 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 can add up as well too. Now, if you're sitting there saying, Dave, you're out of your ever loving mind, how are they going to get anything done with, with uh, essentially 2 million uh, in, 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 in effective cap space left. That goes a long way when you're signing players to veteran benefit contracts or players barely over minimum, you know? Right. And we're still working on rule of 51, correct? Sure, so, sure. Above that doesn't count as displacement. And so you can add these guys without really changing your cap number too much. Right. And look, look, you just signed uh, Sayamalo uh, and his cap number was, you know, for, for an $8 million per year deal was 3.443, you know, hair over 3.443 million. Well, if you, you know, when you, when you figure out roster displacement of a $870,000 salary of that, I mean, you effectively, you know, use what, like $2.6 million in cap space to, to do that on an $8 million per year deal. So, uh, don't you, what, the thing that people forget most about this time is, 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 is first year cap hits are, are generally usually low. And the second thing is roster displacement takes place. So now do, am I expecting another $8 million, uh, per year player at this point? No. Right. Yeah. They're, they're going to be done probably with the big signings. I think at this point we can kind of assume that barring some sort of cut and trade and just something really drastic happening. And so, and, and just also clarify, when you talk about the effective usable cap space, this accounts for the rookie class and all those type of things. So no concerns about, can they sign their rookies? Right. That, that number is being baked into the cake into that in that subtraction. Whenever you go from their current cap space to what is effectively usable for kind of whatever they want to do. So that number is already thrown in there. And I know people will go gripe at you about the 
reserve money, the nine million or so, but that's how yeah. Pittsburgh has been doing things, and so that's what the number we're going to continue to work off of until shown otherwise. If they've if they've had if they've gone into the season the last two season with nine million dollars in reserve, why wouldn't we think that you know they're they're not going to do that again? <laughs> right, and you anything know, if, and if the cap goes pro- up, that number is going to go up. Right, and this is a projection, folks. You know, uh, you know. Uh, unfortunately, Omar has not called me to tell me this year how close he may have called me last year. Uh, he may not have, but uh, <laughs> speeding, <laughs> speeding along. Uh, now look, uh, and and as you mentioned, the 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 rookie classes in here, the end of, the end of the rule of fifty one with the fifty second, fifty third player, the practice squad. I've got that accounted for. Mm-hmm. The, I've got a three million dollar. Uh, estimated uh, uh, need in, in injured reserve space. Let's because inevitably you have two or three guys that start the season on IR, right? And right. those guys have got to be replaced on the roster, you know, with with with, with salaries that go against the cap as well, too. So, uh, you know, I, I I try to bake it all in, and once again, I'm not going to be 100 percent uh, close on this, but it does sound about right anywhere between two to three in effective cap space at this point. Now, look, here's something else I've been playing with, and I'm interested to see how it turns out this year. And it's gonna it's already gone over people's heads, I think, in the posts that I did uh, on it because it didn't get much response. I'm trying to track their their cash spending in this third year of the third year of the three year span of the, of, of the NFLPA. They've done good at this point to be in good shape as far as uh, above the 90% of cap in cash through the first two years. So my projection this year is that they're going to spend a right around $218 million dollars in cash on their 2023 team, which would put them a little over a hundred percent of cash versus cap for the three year period in the CBA. All right. Uh, I totaled this up this afternoon because that, that this is the type of thing that, that that's how we spend our week. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I do. Uh, when you count what, if when you count their current top 53, not top 51, but top 53, in addition to the cash, the new cash that they've spent this off season and by new cash, anytime you give a guy a signing bonus, that full signing bonus goes in the cash category for, for this year, even though it's accounted against the cap differently uh, there. So all that said, my projection right now, is that they have they're they're right around uh, with their current top fifty three of around two hundred and four million dollars, basically on 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 budgeted to spend at this point. And obviously, you're the off season's not over there. So let's assume, which is dangerous to do, that my two hundred eighteen million dollar target is right. Well, what's two hundred and four million? Oh, also that 204 million takes out is without Kevin Dotson. I'm writing him off, right? Okay. Uh, at, at this point, uh, what's 218 million minus 204 million? That's 14 million, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Now, what's the signing bonus? You know, 
what's going to end up be be the 2023 cash total spent on Alex Highsmith in 2023? Let's say it's 17 million. Okay. okay. With with signing bonus, base salary, yada yada. Okay. Uh, well, he's already on. I'm already counting them at, at almost three, right? So what's uh, 17 million minus three million? 14. So there you go. The numbers are aligned. You're like that Jim Carrey movie. Hmm. Now, obviously, once again, there'll be matriculation with with you know a guy doesn't make the roster that you think does, and a and a rookie takes his place, and a half million there. Uh, see how kind of this pot. Now, once again, do I know that they're going to spend 218 million in cash this year? No, but it would make sense based on what they've done these previous two years. Uh, do we really think they're going to, for the three year period, end up spending 106% of the, of the cap in cash as, as tight as this team's accused of being at times? <laughs> Probably not, you know, and you don't get to roll that over in, in, in the three year span on the CBA and say, well, look, we, we, you know, uh, you know, all, all, all they care about the CBA is you spend 90% of the three year span of the cap in cash and they will have a satisfied this and a little more by spending 218 million. So I'm not saying I'm just saying that it looks like we might've seen the bulk of what they're, they're doing in free agency done at this point. Right. And if Highsmith's number in terms of those, what that'd be first year. Cash? That'd be first. Well, yeah, well, yeah, his, his cash for his cash for 2023, which would be signing bonus and base salary right. in, in 2023. I kind of think that number is going to come in right around 17. And once again, he's already being counted right now as the team spending three million dollars cash on him. So new cash would be 14. Right. New cash okay. would be 14. Right. Gotcha. So which magically ma- makes up that 204 million that I have on the books now. Versus me, me thinking that they're going to spend 280. Look, I, I am playing with a model here. I'm trying, I'm trying to see how close I can come to them spending $218 million. My projection is spending $218 million because if I hit this or come pretty damn close to it, I now have a model from the previous three years of how I think that they might, might structure their cash spending and by using that, I think I might be able to better track how they might manage their cap. I say this as lovingly as possible. You have to be the only person not working for an NFL team that's doing that right now. <laughs> I can't think of anyone else, but maybe Joel Corey doing that. Maybe Jason from over the cap, but I'm, I, I think it's just you. I, I just, this stuff, this stuff, I, I love it, you know? Yeah, so oh, very I, clearly. I, and yeah. I know, I, I, I know we didn't talk about going down that rabbit hole ahead of in, in our pre-production meeting. I know a lot of people are bored out of the skull uh, listening to, listening to this. I, but I'm I'm sorry, but uh, uh, I did the work, so I talked about it. No, don't 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 apologize one bit. Uh, that's why we love you. That's why we trust you more than anybody else when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers cap. So. Listen, now, I now stay look, up- look, they they could mm-hmm. uh, you know they could go out and you know can they still get a Bud Dupree or something like that? Yeah, but I don't think they're going to go overboard in it, and I don't think they're going to go oh you know if they did get a guy in Bud Dupree, I don't think they're going to go 
you know, overboard as far as cash that they give him uh, of a signing bonus and a base salary in, 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 in 2023, you know, and that would have to be like a two year deal. They really couldn't do a one year deal and make that right. fit reasonably correct. Right. I mean, look there once again, uh, is something going to happen that, that we don't know is going to happen? You know, it, uh, uh, might they, might they extend, you know, Mitch Trubisky, uh, might they cut Witherspoon or something like that? Uh, obviously if you cut a guy like Witherspoon set, who's set to earn $4 million, you know, you're going to clear cap space in the process and you're going to save that $4 million in cash too. Right. Changes. So, the numbers right so you know that's why it's it's more important to look at this cash expenditure come week one of the season but mm-hmm. i still wanted to get a good idea how much cash they have spent up until this point knowing that there's a good chance that 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 some of it's going to be earmarked for alex highsmith later on in the offseason sure we'll keep an eye on it for later in the summer when that highsmith deal comes in and for week one and kind of see how things matched up. So good stuff there as always, Dave. One other Steeler coming to the fold, uh, not a player here, but a coach, Jason Brooks, reportedly not been made official by the team. Maybe that comes in Monday, Tuesday. Uh, not quite sure, but Jason Brooks reportedly being hired as a defensive assistant. Um, well-traveled man, most recently the assistant defensive line coach in Baltimore. And so I'm not sure exactly what his duties will be. I'm not sure exactly what position group he'll work with this team, essentially has two defensive line coaches right now and Carl Dunbar and Denzel Martin, I know that Brooks has worn a lot of hats, coached basically everything you can coach. I kind of view this in some sense as a Blaine Stewart replacement, at least for the special teams aspect. Stewart never officially carried the title, but worked really closely with Danny Smith, helping out on special teams. Brooks has a background there as well. And so I imagine Brooks will assist there and somewhere else on defense. Uh, have they, they obviously haven't announced him yet. I wonder if they've got him on the backside of... Uh... The on the uh, team site or on yeah. the uh, NFL site. Okay. I hadn't seen, I hadn't checked in a couple of days, but usually they don't do that until there's official right. press release. Uh, let me just check this. Steelers I'm not, I'm not site. seeing it. Yeah. I'm not seeing it on the media side. Uh, I'm seeing Aaron Curry added. Uh, no, I'm not seeing Brooks okay. added here. Uh, what do you think is tight? What, what do you think his title is going to be? Best guess. It's a really good question. I don't know because I don't know if he's worked actually a lot with the linebackers over his coaching career. I mean, he's worked with DBs. He's obviously been assistant D line coach. He's worked with tight ends and wide receivers and special teams, been a quality control coach. Is he just going to be like defensive quality control coach? The uh, equivalent of what Matt Tom show is to Matt Canada. I'm not quite sure. I, I think that they're going to utilize though all the, all the hats he's worn throughout his coaching career. Okay. All right. And uh, by the way, his dad was a long time, I think, coach or scout for the Ravens. So there's right. a pretty, pretty big history there. Yeah, get a little nice little, so, some, some sort of something, something intel too, probably. Don't yeah. know how much it'll be worth. Can't hurt. But- Can't hurt. And they're up to now 17 coaches. And so will the coaching staff grow anymore? It's getting pretty late in the process to add. Teams could, but, you know, usually by now you're kind of, this is your, your coaching staff for 2023. All right. That's, that's, uh, that's newsy. Yeah. And by the way, I didn't realize this. I don't know when this change was made. I saw this a couple of days ago, just kind of looking uh, through. Uh, Dan Rooney Jr. has a new title. He's now the vice president of player personnel. He didn't carry that title for quite some time, even after the Omar Khan, Andy Weidel promotions and hires. So at some point over the last couple of months, they've uh, changed Dan Rooney Jr.'s title. 
I and I I still not one hundred percent sure. We we know we saw him at Clemson, right? Uh, yes. I think I saw him at Georgia's pro day. Okay, I never was able to get eyes on him. Did you have a photo or was no? Just I just of, I, I caught him and and I haven't been able to go back and watch back through the tape on that. So okay, uh, I that's why I say I think. Gotcha. Well, anyway, uh, new title doesn't really matter a whole lot, I guess. But uh, that's just one quick. Uh, my my nerdy side coming through right now on the Steelers got front a office. Bunch of doing, those. Yeah, for sure. Uh, just a couple of Steelers who are no longer Steelers. I should call them ex-Steelers. A couple of linebackers here in Devin Bush going to Seattle on a one-year deal worth, I believe, up to $4 million. And Malik Reed taking a one-year deal to go to Miami and reunite with former coach over there in Denver, Vic Fangio, who is now the D.C. with the Dolphins. And so you got Bush to Seattle, Reed to Miami, both expected to be gone, and now they officially are gone. Yeah, I can't wait to see the exact. I know it's being been reported as four million for Bush. I can't wait to see the details of that one. I think there's going to be some important details there. <laughs> uh, and as far as the Malik Reed, good, best of luck uh, uh, to him. And uh, if that's anything more than a, a veteran benefit contract, they paid too much. Yeah, it's probably what it is. And good luck to Devin Bush. No ill will. Didn't work out. Obviously, a pretty bumpy ride in Pittsburgh. And you just hope that he's able to rebound. Um, Artie Burns bounced back. You know, one of those busts that, you know, was able to kind of extend his career out a bit in Chicago. So maybe the same happens for Devin Bush. Get out of Pittsburgh. Get out of all the, you know, negativity and just uh, the criticism that comes with being a first round pick that doesn't work out. Go all the way out there, West Coast. You know, who knows? So we wish Devin Bush well. Yeah, look, he he's probably excited to get a fresh start. Absolutely. I was just mad on back-to-back days, 2 a.m. The news comes in about the visit and then the actual signing. So that's the one bad thing about you folks over there on the West Coast and your uh, your very you know time zone differences. Boy, yeah. When I you're gonna think a whole different when I finally get you moved out to Arizona <laughs> or, or or Las Vegas. You're gonna think, what the hell was I thinking? I'm about to move there just so I don't have to write about Devin Bush going to Seattle. To <laughs> just give me a little earlier time for that. So anyway. uh, speaking of gains and losses, uh, mm-hmm. not looking great for the Steelers in the compensatory formula. If you're one hoping that this team gets any sort of compensatory draft picks for 2024. Not yeah, looking, they're they're not, not going to get one. There's no chance they're going to get one unless they were to lose a coach. I'm not even sure who that would be. That's the only path. And so that really matters, though, in terms of if they were to trade up for something. Do you want to give up future picks? You could. But if you know you have comp picks, you're more likely and more willing to give up future capital. If you believe strongly, those comp picks are going to come in. So it is worth noting. But I, I can't. They're not going to get a comp pick for free agency. If they do would be losing a. A, you know, Grady Brown, but he's not going to become a head coach. I'm not even sure what scenario would take place for them to get a third round pick, but they're not getting comp picks. Next okay. Time. All right. I agree. All right. Last note here comes to the NFL draft Pittsburgh on that scouting trail Friday with the Michigan pro day. And really no surprise. We'd mentioned this on one of the many podcasts we've done uh, prior to then that we kind of expected and thought that Mike Tomlin, Omar Khan would be at the Michigan pro day. And they were reportedly according to, Tony Pauline of Pro Football Network, uh, Tomlin meeting with big Michigan defensive tackle Mazzy Smith twice. And so I assume that's at least one pro day dinner and probably during the pro day itself, maybe after the workout. And so surprisingly, not a lot of information or video coming out of that Michigan pro day, but um, do have that on Mazzy Smith, who's a big interior plugger with the size and length Pittsburgh looks for. Right. A little bit heavier, though, though than most, but, uh, you know, maybe, may, may, you know, uh, nose tackle. Yeah. He'll be a nose yeah. tackle. 
Yeah. So there, there is that. Do you, it, do you think he's as, man, I've seen his stock and, and, and from the tape to where are you on his, on his stock? I mean, as far as uh, your know, potential draft round, you know, is he a day two guy, day one? Yeah, I think is as he we like see guaranteed today, first two rounds. I would say strongly first two rounds. I think 32 makes the most amount of mm. sense for him in Pittsburgh with that top pick in the second round in terms of where he could go. I mean, could he slip a bit because the production wasn't there and some of the testing he had wasn't you know, all that great. Uh, and some off the field questions as well. He's got a, he had a what, gun charge to a gun charge. Yeah. And that's always a little dicey when it comes to Pittsburgh, at least under Kevin Colbert. So, but, but all that being said, I would say 32 seems to be the most reasonable spot to project him. Okay. All right. Uh, also of note, uh, what else was there in Michigan? Uh, Alfredo Roberts apparently was there, the tight ends coach, to see their tight end there. How do you say his name? Luke Schoon, Schoonmaker, I believe is how you say that, his last name. And so as of right now, there is no number two tight end, or, or it's Connor Hayward. And so in terms of that that big body type blocker, there isn't that guy. And so uh, until Gentry comes back in, he could. His team has to probably do some homework on tight ends. Yeah, as I talked about earlier in the offseason here, I – you know, if you if you got Gentry back on a on a veteran benefit deal or or damn near close to it, I I, I don't think that takes the position off the board uh, when and, it comes to the draft. And it's a good tight end class, and he's mm-hmm. Schoonmaker is is one of those guys who again not heavy on production. You don't find a lot of college tight ends who have a ton of production, but um, there's some traits there and some size and length and blocking that he's not as big as Gentry, of course, as a former Michigan product himself. Um, but he's kind of that traditional inline type blocker. All right. So something to pay attention as we move forward into the, you know, these, the second wave of free agency is, you know, what are they going to do at the tight end position here? Right. And anything else from pro days? I'm trying to see, did I find anything super interesting since not much Phil Kreidler at Georgia Southern. Now, I did see Mark Corsack at Eastern Michigan. That's for Jose Ramirez, the edge guy. And also your guard, City Sal, you've talked about mm-hmm. a couple times. Um, and just my nerdy self, it seems like they're really changing some of the regions of these scouts. Mark Corsack coaching or scouting more Midwest as opposed to the South. Calvin Fisher's going out West. I think Chris Watts is going to be more Southern scout. So some ter- territorial changes that occur whenever a new regime and you kind of have some front office movement as this team had uh, in 2022. All right, uh, Pro Days we're watching starting Monday and Tuesday of next week, uh, the 20th, which is Monday, Syracuse, Virginia Tech, Iowa. Uh, That's an interesting one, right? Uh, Bowling Green, Toledo, James Madison, and South Alabama are are the notable ones on Monday. And on Tuesday, uh, the 21st, Iowa State, Rutgers, Liberty, Ohio, USC, Auburn and Troy. Mike Tomlin going to be in Auburn? I'm trying to think who else is there besides Derek Hall. What other, what, who are the top Auburn guys this year? And can you think of any other? Yeah, I'm trying, I'm drawing a blank. I don't have All the right. list in front of Let me. Let me see here. if I can think about it. Because usually they're only going to go, there's Colby Wooden, the other edge guy, yeah, hybrid type that you've talked about. Let me try to see if there's anybody else. Tank Bigsby, the running back. That's oh, that Jonathan Hightrader's guy. Co- okay. Uh, Co- Colby. Yeah, uh, there's the the linebacker that ran well. My guess is no, but if they are going to be at one, that one makes sense. They often go to Virginia Tech. I don't think there's the talent this year to really justify it. 
And I believe I see that it's listed on the 29th. I want to say Incarnate Word is maybe sometime actually this week. And so they're going to reportedly Pittsburgh will be there to watch the quarterback, Lindsey Scott, who put up video game numbers this past year, of course, small school. Um, but whenever that pro day is, I want to see who's there just to you know get a feel for what that level of interest might be. Did we hit on uh, Curry being at the pro day the other day? We did. Yeah, he was at okay. Tulane last week. Uh, Surely he's going to be at Iowa, right? At least him tomorrow. You think, I hope so. Right? Uh, we're gonna we're gonna keep a close eye. Uh, I'd if, like if to he's, see it. if he's he almost has to be. I think. I would. I just have to wait and see. I mean, yeah. I, I you would think so. I would. I would like to think so. I'm trying to think what else tomorrow. Any other top prospects? Bowling Green, Carl Brooks, a non combine invite, kind of a snub. I think scouts want to go there to watch this guy work out. Uh, Syracuse for Matthew Bergeron, you know, day two type tackle. That's a, something to watch as well. All right. We don't think uh, Tomlin and, and Khan going out to USC on a Monday. They'd have to already be on the plane right now, wouldn't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that whole, uh, they don't go west. And so I don't think USC is going to be the move for them. If it's going to be anything, it'll be Auburn. But it actually, I'm looking at the, the schedule. It might be a pretty quiet week in terms of seeing Tomlin and Khan. What's the next like big major pro day? Uh, you would have to ask Friday, that. I'll, I guess. I'll pull that up here in a minute here. Let's see. Okay. I got to get so back to my page. Penn States this Friday. So that might be one for Joey Porter Jr., Jair Brown, that whole collection over there in the state college. Uh, let me read off real quick. What else? What's the, what's the date of the Wednesday one? Uh, that's March 22nd. Uh, 22nd. Let's see. SMU. Temple, Virginia, oh, Ohio, State. Uh, Ohio State, Nebraska, UAB, UTSA, uh, UConn, Utah State, Stanford, Marshall. And that's it. It is yeah, Ohio State major. Probably at Ohio State then. I should take that okay. back. Yeah, we know they're going to be there, right? You would you would think so they're 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 not there every single year but most years and there's enough talent this year day one Jones specifically okay. that you want to go out there and see and also that center although I think they have enough interior guys at this point but we'll keep our eyes peeled. Okay, what else we got to talk about, Alex? I think that's everything. Do you want any time for maybe just a couple of quick emails sure. and we kind of haven't done emails here with all these emergency podcasts and odd times and late nights, including tonight. Also for Monday live stream. So we're recording this Dave and I Sunday night, but for Monday um, there'll be a live stream 7 to 8 PM. And I imagine there's going to be a couple of questions there, Dave. Uh, yes or no, Alex, uh, Kevin Dotson going to be on the 2023 week one roster. Let's, let's play a flag here. No, I think it's I think it's a pretty easy answer. I don't really have a lot of hesitation saying he will not be uh, on this team. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, uh, they trade him, right? It's a more inter- interesting question of how does he get the heave? Oh, is it a trade? When is that trade? If it were to happen, I think if I had to guess, they're going to hold on to him now uh, in the summer. Somebody loses an offensive lineman, they want somebody to come in and, and be a guy right away. So a summer type deal. I think some, something like that is how he gets traded. What does he, uh, what does he fetch? Like a six round pick, <laughs> seventh round pick, whatever you can get for him. I'm going to say, I'm going to say he's gone by the end of the draft, Alex. Ooh. Okay, I'm, I'm, like I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to point to the fence. Now like I got during the draft type trade. Yeah. Or something there. Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. I'm going to get you that fifth. 
Get you the fifth. Oh, yeah, the, the, the bridge that gap between the fourth and sixth round. I'm going to get it. I want you to have that fifth, Alex. <laughs> All right. I'm going to get it for you. Thank but you, but uh, long, long story short, I expect him to be gone by week one now at this point. Yeah, I don't know. There's too many people thinking he will be. I don't think even Kevin Dotson believes he'll be a stealer. He has to be able to read the tea leaves. I liked your uh, in the DMs last night. You said, I hope Kevin Dotson rents. And I hope <laughs> that's true because he's not long for Pittsburgh. All right, let's uh, get to a couple of emails here. Uh, Bruce uh, says, do you think new additions to the interior offensive line that the Steelers will try Herbig at center to see if he can beat out Mason Cole? He said Cole did get pushed back into the quarterback's face several times last season. I would be surprised, Bruce, if that's the way they went with Herbig. Uh, I, I think they're happy with Mason Cole overall right now and if they did replace mason cole i would think that would might come via a rookie at this point so i would be surprised you know if 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 if, if, if they got herbig to try to push mason cole how seriously do you think they would consider replacing cole with say a john michael schmitz you think they're going to just keep going full force and upgrading this offensive line as much as humanly possible I don't think you could. I guess it all depends. Look, they are they are set up to really in, in a, several rounds to go a lot of different directions here and not even bat mm-hmm. an eye. Right. And I right. don't think that you can take even though they've they've got a lot invested at, you know, uh, in in free agency right now at interior positions. I don't think you can 100 percent completely rule out them drafting a center at some point. Okay, and in theory, if Cole became a backup, that's a really quality backup who can play all three spots, and that's going to really provide a lot of comfort. I I still think, I think they're done with starter caliber guys along the interior. I think if they're going to add a starter anywhere else, it's going to be really just left tackle because a core four is going to start. You could kick him over at left tackle and have a right tackle. Um, So a tackle, but probably more specifically a left tackle. Richard Jameson says. uh, there are reports that a Landon Roberts played some snaps at fullback for the Patriots. Do you think the Steelers are looking to use Roberts at fullback and save a roster spot by not, uh, replacing Derek, what Derek, White? I, uh, it, it's minimal, right? That Roberts did that. And, and I mean, I, I would surprise, I would be surprised if, if, if Roberts got a lot of snaps i'm not saying they can't use him back there i mean they threw to him one time even i think a couple years ago or somebody did uh with the patriots right when he was with with the patriots they did that yeah two years or it was like 2020 or 2019 he actually got a good bit of burn at fullback something like 50 something snaps he caught a 38 yard touchdown and so but they really didn't use him after that and miami didn't left and he went to miami um Maybe you could do it on a fun goal line package, right. but he's not going to be a fullback. Connor Hayward could assume that role, actually, and kind of wear that hat if they want to replace Derek Watt. Steve Novakovich writes in, I keep reading comments about Bud Dupree coming back to the Steelers. Is it me, or did Bud seem to lose his mojo when he got to Tennessee? He says, what happened? Scheme, motivation, any opinions? Well, he got he couldn't stay healthy for starters, right? That was one thing, and uh, it did look like Father Time got a, got his hand on his back a couple times. 
Yeah, I mean, the dude tore his ACL late in the season, was trying to play by the start of the next season. I mean, I know that ACL recoveries are, you know, much better than what they used to be, but still, that's a devastating knee injury, you know, for a pass rusher changing direction, getting confidence in that knee. So I think that, obviously, and then just scheme fit. I think Pittsburgh was the best scheme fit for him with the twists and games. Again, him and Cam Hayward were just elite at running those twists and Hayward with the veteran savvy to hold guards and get to pre-free. They timed it up so well, they ran it beautifully. And so you're not going to replicate that in Tennessee. So I think scheme and then the injury are just the two biggest reasons when he signed that contract. We, we I remember us talking about yeah. it. doesn't look like a contract. They're going to love in a couple of years. And <laughs> ultimately got basically got their GM partially fired. So yeah, yeah. it's not a good deal. Uh, two separate hip injuries last year for him too. Yeah, I just, again, I get the connection to du- to Dupree, but the knee and the hip, I mean, how's that song go? The knee bone connected to the yeah. hip. I'm like, it's, yeah. it's, he's hitting all those marks. And so at 30 years old, you've already brought in some older defensive free agents. I get it, you know, but I just. It better be cheap. It, yeah. it better be cheap. It better be cheap. Yeah. Because you're not going to, you damn sure ain't going to. He, 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 he better be a cheap number three rotational guy in the story because obviously you're not going to get special team stuff out of him. You right. can do that, but it better be cheap. Yep, I'm with you. And I, I'm talking three million or less cheap is what I'm thinking. And will it, would he take, is there going to be another team out there? Maybe give him that? I don't know. I don't either. But if he comes to Pittsburgh, he'll have to swallow some some pride, both financially and with his role. I mean, you can't 100% roll it out because of the obvious connection there and then the Josina Anderson report and all. But all, all I got to say is if it happens, it better be cheap. That's what, that, I'll leave it at that. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Dante Bissonnier writes in about Kevin Byard. Uh, Titan safety Byard could uh, be getting released from Tennessee. He says Terrell Evans is a question mark. Mark if Byard becomes a free agent, it could be a good match. Tomlin has gushed about him in the past. He says no idea what his market is value would be, but uh, he says a white restructure gives them more breathing room. He said Byer does turn 30 in August, but the man has un- been unbelievable, durable, and, and available. He hasn't missed a game, blah, blah, blah. Steelers still have a lot of depth. Be- I, look, I, I get it, and, and uh, I'm talking to one of the biggest, uh, on the other end of this podcast, mm-hmm. one of the biggest Kevin Byard of uh, fans coming out of uh, Middle Tennessee State. So uh, I know, I know you know, you don't have to twist Alex's arm uh, to bring him in. And I look, I'm a buyer. I was a buyer fan that year as well, too. I just probably wasn't as big a one as Alex was. Uh, even so, he's probably going to be looking for, I, I don't know what his market would be. The safety market's obviously depressed, but I would think if he comes free, he would be, now that uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson's off the market to the Lions this, this afternoon, this evening, I would think. Byard have quite a few people ringing him up, wouldn't you? Yeah, I don't even know what Tennessee's doing trying to ask this guy to take a pay cut. That just seems like an insult to a really good, you know, rangy free safety. Um, I don't know how it would fit in Pittsburgh, so that's not going to be the play there. But yeah, that was my dude. I still remember that Alabama game mm-hmm. that he had just tore it up. I remember, at, you know, sitting across from him at the Senior Bowl, going, "How do you not have a combine invite? Never got invited to the combine. What a big error that was by." By that committee, but a uh, great player, just not going to end up in Pittsburgh. And just a quick side note, how about Detroit secondary? Johnson, yeah. Gardner, Johnson, Cam Sutton, they're building something pretty special over there, Dave. They are. They're they're, they're going after it this offseason, and and why wouldn't they within that division? I, I think that it's why you know, Aaron Rodgers leaves, and 
Uh, I think that division is wide open and they, mm-hmm. they obviously had a, you know, put together a nice season last season. I think they're buying into what Dan Campbell's doing. If you had the right pieces there, I don't know, maybe, maybe they can, they, they should be able to compete for that division over there. Yeah. And Pittsburgh sees Detroit uh, this year, right? They're playing the North or no. Uh, how does that work? Uh, I know they're playing cause I know they're playing green Bay. So I'm just assuming they're playing the North, but I have to look at the, uh, 2020 cause you know, me in schedules, I don't really focus on that stuff too much. You uh, just tell me what it is one week at a time and, and I'll take it as it comes. But, uh, no, yeah, maybe not. no, they don't. They, they, uh, because it's that rotating, uh, the right. Packers was that extra rotating game. Uh, I think so. They're playing the NFC West. What would NFC? Uh, the West. They're playing the West this year. Yeah, they okay. play the Cardinals. They play the uh, the Rams. They play the Seahawks, and they play the 49ers Is the is the conference. But that the the extra game, you know, the seventeenth game ro- rotating is why they play okay. uh, uh, the Packers because they finish the same position as them in 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 division. Right, uh, my mistake. I was just it's late here. Uh, let's see here. Let's see if we can't get maybe one more here from Enrique Lopez. Hey guys, I was wondering as of right now, we supposedly lack a starting caliber slot receiver. He says, however, comma, isn't George Pickens capable of playing the slot? He says, I remember him saying that he always trained and practiced at George as a slot receiver. Why not put him there and draft a Z receiver instead? Maybe get, uh, he says, maybe get James Washington, uh, back. He says, last thing, uh, I think it's time for a Steelers Depot app and merchandise. He says, we need it. Great job on everything. Uh, Enrique, thanks for the uh, email there. Uh, look, he, 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 here's the thing about George Pickens and, and all these receivers. You hope that they'll be able to move around all over the place here. Uh, so, you know, might we see Pickens in the slot a little bit this year? I, I suppose that's possible in, in uh, in certain instances, I don't think he's going to be the full-time slot guy uh, overall. I think you'd probably agree with that, but uh, uh, I don't think th- I don't think that's a reason that you just go out and go get another draft a, a another Z receiver. And as far as James Washington goes, I think we might have seen James Washington play his final snap in the NFL at this point. Yeah, pretty darn close to it. Yeah, Pickens was playing more in the slot the back half of last year. Because, again, he was you know, 21, 22 coming out, missed basically his whole last year at Georgia. Pretty raw guy, and so he had to kind of get his legs under him. And by the last month, six weeks, he was moving around a good bit. So all these Steelers receivers, they're playing everything. They're not really fixed in spots like they used to. But, listen, Pickens is your Z receiver. He is your ideal you know, vertical nine ball. Go up there and get it. Um, 1v1 coverage, back shoulder fade. He is the prototypical Z receiver. And so, yes, he will move around. Uh, all these receivers will, but I don't want anybody else as my primary Z other than George Pickens. Uh, I'll go one more here uh, from uh, Rich Hud. Right. And uh, good day, uh, Dave and Ox. I'll get straight to it. It worries me that there isn't a person in the inside linebacker room at this point that is called the Pittsburgh defense, which some have said is complicated. Number two, some of the free agents they have brought in speak to some deeper analytics. He says, could Khan want to go that route? Uh, number three, uh, has there been any reported contracts out of the offense? 
uh, out for the offense outside of the line. Feels like we are forgetting they're not a real number two tight end unless you're counting here. We are we addressed the tight end thing earlier. And they're, they're going to have another tight end in this room under contract by the draft, I would think. Uh, it's not going to be an expensive deal. It's either going to be Gentry or somebody else, I would think. That way they don't kind of pigeonhole themselves there. Uh, he says, number two, uh, back to the number two, some of the free agents they have brought in speak speak to some deeper analytics. He says, could Khan want to go there? I don't know exactly what you're, what you're meaning by that question. Dude. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what analytics. They want butt kickers. I feel like it's anti-analytics in the sense that we want to get big physical people up front and we got to, you know, change out our inside linebackers. And, you know, Roberts is a downhill physical guy. Holcomb's a little less so, but kind of a well-rounded guy. But Herbig and, and Sayamalu, I mean, they're just big physical people. And that's really nothing more to it than that. And about what, how would you, how would you answer his first concern here? His worries about there isn't a person in the inside linebacker room at this point that is called the Pittsburgh defense, which some have said is complicated. How would you address his concern there? I mean, did you want to see Miles Jack and Devin Bush try to call it again? I mean, if they, they learn it and you're not very good, you know, might as well try somebody else. So I, I, I've mentioned the point. There is some concern about the turnover of the trusted people, Robert Spillane, Cam Sutton, some adjustments and growing pains there. So certainly there's going to be an element to that anytime you have turnover. Um, but eventually those guys will adjust and hopefully the talent wins out. So you may have a little bit of short-term pain, but they're veteran guys, Holcomb is, Roberts is, and so – um, it's not necessarily rookies and super young green people. So I understand that broadly speaking, but if you have talent that wins out in the long run, they'll pick up the defense. And um, if they're truly as good as Pittsburgh thinks they are, then they'll be better off for it in that long view. All right. Did we get uh, everything covered that we wanted to get covered? We ran a little bit longer tonight. This will obviously go up at midnight uh, and serve as our Monday uh, podcast. It'll free us up in the morning. I think they're going to introduce who they're going to introduce a lot. Elanda Roberts, I think tomorrow uh, to, uh, to the media. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I imagine uh, Sayamalo will, will sign his contract. So who knows what else we're going to get there, but I think we got everything covered, right, Alex? Yeah, uh, probably maybe Tuesday, Wednesday for Sayamalu. And again, reminder, Monday live stream, 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, come hang out with Dave and I on the YouTube channel. And I'm sure you guys have a bunch of questions. So we couldn't get to all the questions. So put them in the chat tomorrow and we'll do our best to answer. All right. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, the Terrible Podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the donate button. Upright navigational bar on that front page. It's got the new infinite scrolling we hope you're enjoying. Uh, additionally, if you uh, want an ad-free version of the site, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the ad free button up right navigational bar. Uh, when will we be back? I don't know, either at midnight Wednesday or bright and early Wednesday morning. Uh, or who knows? We'll just have to see how these next couple of days of free agency go. But uh, in the meantime, as always, thanks for listening to the terrible podcast with Dave and Alex.